Uh, well, if you'd like to open up again to Ephesians 4, uh, that's going to be uh, what we're looking at today in the Bible and specifically from verses 7 to 16. Let's just pray as we come to God's Word. Yes, Lord, we do thank you so much for your Word. We pray that your Holy Spirit um, would work in us, uh, that we might see your Word, see what you're saying and, and grow in you. Amen. Well, uh, just want us to imagine that you've gone and got a new job and uh, you might get trained as an apprentice. And once qualified, uh, we might become a trainer of other apprentices. Uh, but just uh, imagine if you get this new job and uh, you ignored getting trained as an apprentice. Uh, just imagine that you were meant to train others but you didn't care about those around you to train them. And uh, just imagine uh, that uh, you weren't even interested in doing your job or playing your part at all. Uh, friends, today we come to Ephesians chapter 4, as I said, verses 7 to 16. And uh, we see that Paul is writing Ephesians into a context, isn't he? He's writing into the region of Turkey and specifically the town of Ephesus where the Jews and the Gentiles were divided at times and it was a Gentile region where these new people of other nations were now becoming part of the Christian church. How were they all going to act together? Were they going to share with one another, to train one another, to work well together? You see, it's a common human attitude, isn't it, to not always seek unity, to not always put others in uh, the best interests of others at first, but to put ourselves first. And just like uh, the Ephesians were tempted to, we too as well need to focus on our unity as a church and on the calling we have to be God's church in this town. So the question I think this passage is asking us in that context is how can I be equipped? How can I be truly equipped to do this? How can I be truly equipped to serve the Lord and bless God's people in this church? Uh, so we're going to see uh, the three points Paul is making, I think, which is that we've been equipped for God's service, but how? Well, firstly, through individual spiritual gifts we've been given, Secondly, through the leaders that God has placed over us, and we'll see that in verse 11. And thirdly, through our journey to spiritual adulthood. We've been equipped for God's service. Through these ways, uh, the passage is showing us. So let's have a look at it. Uh, firstly, through individual spiritual gifts. While God calls his church to be united in verses 1 to 6, he also gives each one of us a diversity of spiritual gifts. Let's have a look at verse 7. He says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So we saw in chapter 4 and verses 1 to 6 the emphasis on the unity and the oneness of God's church. For example, in verse 4, where Paul lays out the foundational elements of the faith 
and that every church everywhere is one in the sense of this faith. But now in verse 7 and onwards, he goes from unity to diversity, doesn't he? For he says in verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given. The word grace there is referring to the spiritual gifts that Jesus gives to his people. It says to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. When Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and after 50 days after his resurrection came the day of Pentecost. You know the story from Acts chapter 2 where the disciples are there um, in Jerusalem and the Spirit comes down on them in tongues of fire and they speak in other tongues uh, around the city to show people uh, God's message. That was the day that the Holy Spirit was given to the church, the day that had been anticipated for centuries as the new age broke in on the church through the power of the Spirit. And that Spirit lives with each Christian today. The Holy Spirit, God himself, the presence of Jesus Christ throughout the world and in your heart. Jesus poured out his Spirit onto the church And as we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes a home in us as well. But the really cool thing is that the Bible says in terms of serving in the church, the Holy Spirit gives us different gifts to serve, different gifts to offer to the body of Christ, different ways that God has gifted you specifically to bless his church and to bless his mission in the world. We've been given, if we are Christians, we've all been given different spiritual gifts to serve the Lord. Now, uh, in verse 8 there, Paul is quoting from a psalm, from Psalm 68. And uh, if you go through and read that psalm, it's a pretty cool psalm. Originally, the the context of the quote in the psalm is that God is, is approaching Zion. He is approaching the city of Jerusalem in victory, if you read the psalm. And as he ascended on high up the mountain of Zion, he leads captives in his train. And it says in the New Testament, he gives gifts to men. So in a sense, the psalm is about God's victory and his sharing of the spoils of battle. But now, now in Ephesians, in the New Testament, the quote is referring to Christ, isn't it? Not just Yahweh, not just the God of Israel going through the land, but it's referring to Christ, to Christ dying on the cross and rising again, ascending on high, leading captives in his train and giving gifts to men. Paul is applying this quote to Jesus dying and rising and conquering Jesus has won the spiritual battle through the cross, through the resurrection, and now he gives out the spoils of his victory to the church. 
He gave gifts to men and women. Spiritual gifts come to us through the victory of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Uh, Michael Horton, a Christian theologian, uh, has a, a great analogy of this. He says it's a bit like a piñata at a kid's party. And now um, Jackson, I think, has had piñatas at some of his parties and I'm always wary of where the stick's going to land so I keep my distance as the kids are swinging. Uh, but theologian Michael Horton says this is a bit like the gifts that Christ showers upon the church. You see, just like the kid whacks the, the horse or whatever the image is and the, the, the candy goes everywhere, Jesus in his resurrection has whacked open the candy. It's going everywhere and then Jesus hands out these gifts to the church. What does this mean for our Christian ministry as people? Well, friends, the presence of a gift does not mean it has been used, but it does mean its use is for the greater unity of God's people. So how are you using the gifts that you have? Are you using the spiritual gifts you have to help grow the unity of the body of Christ and to help grow the body of Christ? What are your spiritual gifts? Is it teaching or leadership or serving? Perhaps it's hospitality or management and administration. Perhaps it's encouragement. There are lots of spiritual gifts that the New Testament tells us about and even in the New Testament, the lists that we're given of these gifts, there's probably even more. So how have you been gifted to serve Jesus in this world? Uh, you could go to um, Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if you want to have a think about some of these gifts. You could also go to one of your friends or um, one of the elders and ask us how we think God might have equipped you to serve. Uh, another way of trying to figure this out <coughs> is to just have a go at things and to see which things God seems to be um, blessing you in and gifting you in. So why not ask someone uh, to help you think about your gifts? Uh, why not consider using them to serve and even asking uh, someone in the church to help you and train you in using those gifts? We've been equipped for God's service through these individual spiritual gifts that Christ has poured out on the church. Secondly, we've been equipped for God's service through the leaders God has placed over us. We've been equipped for God's service through the leaders God has placed over us. The, the gifts, particularly of the Word and of teaching the Word, have been given to some by Christ for the benefit of the entire church. Have a look at verse 9. Speaking of Christ's incarnation and his resurrection, his, his descent into earth and his resurrection from earth, it says this, verse 9. 
What does he ascended mean except that he also descended, this is Christmas Day, he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended, that's the resurrection and the ascension, the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It says, it was he, it was Christ who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I just love those verses. So the ascension and reign of Christ has also involved him giving particular gifts to some for leadership. See there in verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Notice there that these important and named gifts are word gifts. They are gifts that are surrounded in the context of using God's word to bless others. So notice here that the word of God guides the church. What were these gifts? What were these offices of the early New Testament church? Apostles. These were the 12 disciples and also Paul. Those who really had that witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who Jesus chose to be his first and most important messengers to bring his word to the world. They're not around anymore. They've all passed away and so has the office of the apostle. The closest we get to the office of the apostle is by reading what they wrote in the Bible because there are no more apostles around today. What about prophets? Well, um, there were Old Testament prophets, uh, but this is a New Testament book here, so I think it's talking about New Testament prophets. If you go back and look in uh, chapter 2 and verse 20, it says that the church of the New Testament was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It seems that as the church was in its seed form, as it was growing in those early days, that God made these apostles and prophets really important for the early church. Think about it. For the very first church, the Bible hadn't even been written. It was still in the process of being written. And so they needed these apostles and prophets to bring God's word to the church. And in time, that word was written down and recorded for us. Are there prophets around today? Well, there's not an Ezekiel or a Jeremiah or an Isaiah or a prophet like that from the Old Testament, but it seems to me from this verse and other parts in the New Testament that the gift of prophecy might still be a gift that God pours out on his church today. The gift of special insight into God's words and plans. And if you want to read more about that, once again, have a look at the end of 1 Corinthians. It talks a lot about that. What about evangelists? 
evangelists, people who have a special gift to share the gospel. Of course, uh, it's the responsibility of us all to share the gospel where we have opportunity. But this here shows us that God gives a special gift and a special passion to some for sharing the gospel. I'm sure you know someone who's just got that special urge and that special passion, that special giftedness at sharing the gospel with people. Maybe God has gifted them as an evangelist. And then finally, some to be pastors and teachers. Uh, the, uh, in the Presbyterian Church, um, we see this as the same thing as an elder. Uh, we also see that um, some elders have been set apart to be teaching elders. So I'm, I'm the one who's been um, given the opportunity to uh, not do the, the day job in the workforce, to spend all my time on the teaching of the word. But other elders as well come under this um, category as the pastors and teachers, the shepherds of the church. These are the uh, offices of leadership that Christ has given to the church. But the key verse there is in verse 12, isn't it? Because why have these word gifts, why have these leadership gifts been given to the church? Why have they been given to our leaders? We'll see there in verse 12. It says, it is to prepare God's people for the works of service. Another way to read that is to prepare God's people for the work of ministry. It's the same word. So the reason that Christ gives the leaders, the reason that Christ gifts the leaders is not for their own glory, not for their own agendas, but what for? To edify and to train and to prepare the church. I think this is a really important verse in our whole philosophy of ministry and church because it, it talks to us about the relationship between the leaders and the congregation. Martin Luther, the great leader of the Reformation, was um, groundbreaking in this sense. He came up with a special teaching which was called the priesthood of all believers. Up until then, in, in Luther's day, there was the priesthood of the priests. The priests were the ones who heard from God the priests were the ones who could read the Bible. The priests were the ones who had all the special magic stuff that God had given them. But Luther said no. He said the priesthood is not just for the priests. He said the priesthood is for all believers. Just like the Lord Jesus was a prophet, a priest and a king, so in Christ we too become kings and prophets and also priests. What he's saying is that we all do the work of the church. We all do the work of the ministry. We all have access to God through that one body and one spirit and that one hope. So this verse 12 here is foundational. Notice that it is not just the pastor who does the works of service. It is not just the priest 
who does the work of ministry. But how does the ministry of the church foundationally happen? It happens there as God's people do the works of service. The ministry of the church is not just about the minister of the church, it's about the people of the church because the people are the ministers of the church. Jesus gave these officers, evangelists, pastors and teachers, not for their own sense or for their own glory, but to prepare, to equip, to train the whole congregation for the work of ministry. It's a foundational concept and a foundational verse for how our whole idea of how church should work. We're all the ministers, we're all the members, we're all the priests. Um, what Sam's doing in Metro is uh, a great example of what I'm talking about here an opportunity for me to train him and to prepare him for the work of service. Uh, it's what happened uh, with me when I did Metro at Cronulla Presbyterian Church. I was trained and prepared and equipped for the work of service. It's now happening with Sam. But it's not just about one trainee. It's about the whole church, isn't it? We're all to be trained and equipped for the work of service. This is the big part of our pathway as disciples here at this church. We want to connect, we want to grow, and we want to serve. And the way that we see ourselves serving as we get to that point in our relationship with this church is by joining a ministry team. Connect, grow, and serve in a ministry team. So pray for and encourage those who've been given these particular gifts in verse 11. Help them to do their job and exercise their gift by serving using the gifts that you have as well. We've been equipped for God's service by the leaders that God has placed over us, by the individual spiritual gifts that we have, and thirdly, by our journey to spiritual adulthood. We've been equipped for God's service through our journey to spiritual adulthood. The work of ministry amongst all of God's people will help the church grow up into Christian maturity. Have a look at verse 11 with me. I'll read from 11 and onwards. It was Christ who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does 
its work. And I've just got visions of uh, Phil on a bike at the moment and chains breaking and loving ways of fixing the bike. Thanks, uh, Kings. That was a great kids' talk. Friends, see there uh, in verse 12 that the purpose of the ministry of God's people is to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ. That's what we're doing when we do ministry together. And we see there in verse 13 that this building up, this edification, leads to our unity, to our unity in the faith. Unity in the knowledge of Jesus. This is all leading us to know God better as we build each other up. It's so that we will become mature. See there in verse 13? That's the goal. Christian maturity. Spiritual adulthood. That's the goal of using the gifts and doing the ministry that we will all grow up to become more like Jesus. This is the major goal of what we do as a church. Uh, There's a verse in Colossians that's also foundational um, to this. I think it's Colossians 1.27 that says, uh, we aim to present everyone perfect in Christ. It's this pathway to maturity that we're looking at in the church. How are you going along that pathway? And how are you helping others? to be like Jesus as well. From verses 14 to 16, it shows us that maturity brings safety. How is that so? Because Paul says when we are mature as Christians, then we won't be baby Christians, we won't be infants, and we won't be tossed around and manipulated and led astray, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown around by dodgy teaching. No, if we're mature, we'll pick it up for what it is, and we won't be spiritual babes. Maturity brings safety as God's people speaking the truth in love grow up in their faith, up into Christ the head and then we all do the work of ministry together like a human body with its muscles and ligaments, each one of us playing our part in love to build up the body of Christ. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? I tried to draw a picture of this passage once. It's uh, a bit of a mind map with arrows and bodies and things like that. You could give that a go if you want. There's so much in here. Why not try and draw a picture of exactly what is going on in this passage? It might sink in a bit better. We are speaking the truth in love and we are growing up into our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, This passage is about our growth as Christians. But for a moment, just think about stunted growth. Uh, My kids are growing up so fast and it freaks me out. Uh, My oldest was a newborn and now I blink and he's almost six and I'll blink again and he'll be 19. Uh, He started off as such a small, helpless, crying blob and uh, he's grown taller and stronger and more mature from one-word sentences to challenging me to think deeper. It's amazing how fast that he's growing. But you know, what would freak me out even more is if he wasn't growing. 
And if he wasn't growing, we'd be running to the doctors seeking medical help and intervention. See, whatever our view of a Christian is and what they should do, is it biblical? What does the Bible say? The Bible says Christians are disciples who are growing up into spiritual adulthood. We're heading towards Christian maturity. That's the point. The Christian life is the journey forward, the journey upward to be more like Jesus. Can you see the growth in you in the last one to two years? Can others see the growth in you? Can you see the growth in our church? Or can't you? Uh, One way to uh, facilitate this kind of growth might be to read the Bible with someone regularly or go to a growth group. You see, when we do that, when we gather around the Word together, we see that the Word will grow us as we read it with another person or with a whole growth group. That's one way we can work our way to maturity, gather around the Word together with others. So friends, we've seen in Ephesians 4, the danger here is to approach our church ministry with an attitude that doesn't consider others, with an attitude that doesn't consider unity or building others up, with an attitude that doesn't consider the church. But these gifts have been given to us for the church and we've been equipped to love the church and to build the church up in love. So will we use the gifts we have to grow God's church? We've been equipped for God's service by individual spiritual gifts, by the leaders God's put over us, by our journey to spiritual adulthood. How will this affect us now in our Christian walk? Rusty Stevens, a director of the Navigators uh, Christian organisation, tells this story. He says, As I feverishly pushed the lawnmower around our yard, I wondered if I'd finished before dinner. Mikey, our six-year-old, walked up and without even asking, stepped in front of me and placed his hands on the mower handle. Knowing that he wanted to help me, I quit pushing. The mower quickly slowed to a stop. Chuckling inwardly at his struggles, I resisted the urge to say, get out of here, kid, you're in my way. And instead, I said, here, son, I'll help you. As I resumed pushing, I bowed my back and leaned forward and walked spread-legged to avoid colliding with Mikey. The grass cutting continued, but more slowly and less effectively than before, because Mikey was helping me. Suddenly tears came to my eyes as it hit me. This is the way my heavenly father allows me to help him build his kingdom. I pictured my heavenly father at work seeking, saving and transforming the lost. And there I was with my weak hands helping. My father could do the work by himself, but he doesn't. He chooses to stoop gracefully to allow me to co-labor with him. Why? For my sake, because he wants me to have the privilege of ministering with him. 
Friends, we are all ministers and all priests in the body of Christ. We have been powerfully gifted by the Lord Jesus from on high. How will we go forth as people and serve him now? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of Ephesians, for this church that you are forming, for the way that your church is a display to the heavenlies of your greatness and your plans. Thank you for the grace given us in the gospel and also in the gifts of your Holy Spirit. We pray that we would be using all these things to build up the body of Christ. Amen.